Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Where for the first 35 minutes of that game was like dreadful hockey. That was like a game where... You always wonder, like, all right, if I brought, like, my friend to this game, they've never seen a hockey game, and you're like, all right, got, like, this is great. Like, the team's really fun. Like, the part, you don't have to really f- know hockey well. The game itself is great. You watch the first, like, 30 minutes of that Bruins-Buffalo game, I'd be like, I- I'm so sorry. Like, this is not – let's let's play Chell or something like that. It'll be better. This is not good. And they come out and win that game, right? Like, Zaboro, uh scores a goal. Kincaid stands on his head. Like, that's just how the season's going so far. Like, every game, there's another guy stepping up. All right, everybody, welcome to Season 4, Episode 9 of the Bruins and Bruins Podcast, the Hockey Podcast Network podcast presented by Bruins Die Hard and Pride Diehards and uh, DraftKings and all that other good stuff. Uh, we got me, we got Cam, we got Drew, and we got our good friend Connor Ryan from the Boston Sports Journal. How you doing? I'm doing swell. How you guys doing? Not too bad. Mediocre got a glass of wine, so he's about it. <laughs> uh yeah, what do we got for drinks, folks? Uh I mean I will I'm the elephant in the room here, so I'll lead off, I guess. Um Kat and I drank all of the beer uh in our house over the weekend. So um the only alcohol I had was this bottle of wine that's been in the fridge since we moved into the house six months ago. Um and it's Ooh, been open well. that whole time. So, oh. <laughs> <Never> <laughs> <mind>. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty gross. Uh, I would not recommend the wine that's been in my fridge for six months open. Um, does pass the Drew test. Um, to ask. It does. Uh, tasteability. It's oh, you could taste how bad it tastes. Um, <laughs> that's a that's a twenty two. Um, drinkability. Go with a one. <laughs> wow. I assume just based on the fact that you've been to space that you would know whether that's safe to drink or not. And I, I mean, I wouldn't drink it. I I feel like red wine gets gross more easily, but I don't know if I'm just making that up. I mean, I poured it out and there were no chunks of anything in it. Yeah, that's that's the it's one. Usually barometer. <laughs> yeah. I, I, like the, I don't know. I, I like my wine chunky. That's good. Chunky wine. Right. Teach us. Just... Who, who, who are we to judge? <laughs> exactly. I'll chug uh, chug through that one, uh, no pun intended, with a uh, 
uh, Lining Eagles Oktoberfest. I had this on the pod a couple weeks ago, I think, when I was doing a, a little German night. But um, yeah, traditional Marzen style beer with some toasted malt flavor and subtle spicy hop notes. Um, and also not not chunky, which is apparently something we have to specify on this podcast now. Um, this is just a good, relatively cheap Oktoberfest beer. I like it a lot. Drinkability, pretty good. Like a solid 25 and uh, tasteability. I think uh, checking in with about a 30 even. Um, definitely get a lot of the, the malt. And it is a little spicy, but not like... Not as spicy as some of the crazier uh, craft beers you'll see nowadays. So uh, quality beer here, and uh, I think it does pass the Drew test. Oh, yeah, definitely, actually. One of the clearer ones. It's like being a uh, a darker darker tone there. So quality beer. Quality, comfort, and price. That's nice. <laughs> Shout out, Bernie. No Force. free advertising, sorry. <laughs> I wrote that. <laughs> we'll bleep it in post. Good. Thank you. <laughs> All right, who's next? I assume uh, Drew is going to take it somewhere, but yeah, you yeah. want to just... <laughs> sure. I got a Mayflower Brewing Company, uh, New World American IPA. Uh, something I've noticed about New England is there are so many brewing companies named after boats or types of boats or famous boats. Um, so yeah, Mayflower Brewing Company. They might not even be out of New England, to be honest with you. I, I did not get that far into the camp. Oh, Plymouth. Plymouth, Massachusetts. Oh, sense. original. Uh, <laughs> um, drinkability. You can indeed drink it. I would imagine it's easier to drink than uh, Chris's Chunky Wine, which I think he gave it a 22. So I'm going to have to go 28. And uh, tasteability. Oh, no, you gave the drinkability a 1. Never mind. You give the taste ability a 22. Don't think you can taste it as strong as chunky wine. So I'll have to go 19. Just, I'm going to base from now on all my ratings around what Chris's thoughts on his beverages. And I will say, as you go on with this uh, old wine, your mouth gets used to the flavor and it's not as harsh. <laughs> That's the bacteria yeah. taking hold on your brain right there, is what that is. <laughs> Yeah. All right. It's my turn, I guess. Uh, so once again, per usual, whenever we're on the show, I think I'm a corporate stooge. So I did another treehouse beer. Uh, and I've got Sorbet King, which I can't do the Drew test because it's in a can. However, it kind of looks like Anton Hudobin on the can. So that's who I just imagine <laughs> has. Yeah. So he's got another drawing of that. Um, close enough. <laughs> close enough. He's a jolly fellow. <laughs> Uh, it's double IPA. Uh, it's a rendition of Julius with water, malt, hops, yeast. They they shouldn't lead with like the the baseline ingredients. They should say like, okay, fresh guava puree. Um, like like most things, you take a sip of it. it doesn't taste like guava. It tastes like beer. They lie yep. again. Like it's it's like when you have like those like <laughs> the holiday like stouts or the porters, and it's like brewed with chocolate and hazelnut, and you're like, no, this tastes like this tastes like motor oil. This, this, no, this is a lie. <laughs> However, a yes, for uh, for a good old uh, double IPA drinkability, pretty good. I'm gonna go go even thirty. Do that, and then tasteability. I'll give it a, a thirty-two. A, a quality double IPA from Treehouse, who does not sponsor me, but if they're listening, you know where to find me. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, I feel like uh, 
uh, one of the places that does not lie about fruity beers, actually two of them are in Portland, are Definitive Brewing Company and uh, Foundation. They have some of the like thicker, like they're almost they, like they're they're less like beer and more like like smoothies that are alcohol you know, involved. <laughs> Hell yeah. Um, and those are those can get like legitimately not not I guess not chunky, but I'll say thicker like. You know, not, like a straight not up puree milkshake, but yeah, like it's more like an actual puree kind of. Um, but they are they are very free, but excellent for the summertime. All right, summertime. Boston Bruins, uh, good. Yeah. Um, Controversial. Best. <laughs> Thanks for having me on. Connor, are the Bruins good? <laughs> <laughs> I think so. What does undefeated at home equate to on the goodness scale? Pretty good. I think is how you is how you best. Pretty solid. Um, yeah, best uh, well point total in the league as of this recording. Um, ahead of the Maple Leafs in the division by nine points. Um, that's pretty good. Um, yeah, uh, I, I guess there's some concerns about depth right now with the the lines being jumbled up and having the erection line back. Um, But I mean, life's good on the ice. That is true. I mean, mean, if you're looking at the, any potential negatives in terms of the on ice part, I, I think it just has to go back to just the expected, regression that's inevitably inevitably going to come uh but also you look at the depth as you said right now jim montgomery brought back the bergeron marchand posternock line and that's one that again you put them on the ice together good things tend to happen it's just you also want to make sure you don't end up relying on them uh as what happened plenty of times in the last few seasons where all right you ideally want to spread the wealth uh in that top six um, you know, get Krejci going, get DeBrus going next to Marchand and Bergeron. But if you're in a bit of a lull at five on five and Marchand, Bergeron, Pasternak are putting up points or they're putting up goals like they did in that Buffalo game where they pretty much were playing like hacky sack on the way to scoring that goal against Buffalo. That genuinely and, one of the sickest goals that's yeah, ever happened. Exactly. I feel like Jim Montgomery was like, all right, like mid game switch, we'll bring these guys back at a little spot. And he saw that and he was like, holy shit. Like we gotta, all right, we're going to roll another <laughs> full game with that. So, um, Again, you kind of go down the slippery slope there in terms of, all right, you generally have a pretty good idea of what you're getting out of that line. It's going to be really, really good uh, down both ends of the ice, but we'll see how much they kind of stick with it. Because, again, ideally, you don't want it to be a situation where they're playing so well that you kind of got this, I don't want to say hodgepodge, that's disrespectful to a line that still has Krejci and Hall and Depressed, three very good players. But if they're not getting that same level of traction, then maybe they have to kind of go back to it and, see if they can balance out those lines a little bit more. But other than that, the expected regression, um, you hope that, you know, they're not taxing Olmark early on, which is the only other real thing that I think you have to keep tabs on. Um, now the schedule is going to start ramping up a little bit. Oh, no, there's really not a lot. Like everyone else is really pulling their weight. Like there's not a lot of, you know, silver, you know, looking at, you know, glass half empty or anything like that about the way this team's playing right now. Yeah. For a team even Nosek. A lot of even holes, Nosek like eight months ago. You know the vibes are good when like Nosek scores a goal, and even you look at the, the past game against Buffalo, where for the first thirty-five minutes of that game was like dreadful hockey. That was like a game where you always wonder, like, all right, if I brought like my friend to this game, they've never seen a hockey game, and you're like, all right, got like this is great. Like the team's really fun. Like the product, you don't have to really f- know hockey well. 
the game itself is great. You watch the first like 30 minutes of that Bruins Buffalo game. I'd be like, I- I'm so sorry. Like this is not, let's, let's play Chell or something like that. It'll be better. It's not good. And they come out and win that game, right? Like Zaboral uh, scores a goal. Kincaid stands on his head. Like that's just how the season's going so far. Like every game, there's another guy stepping up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's real nice. Uh, last episode, we were kind of talking about how, if you pointed out like the worst game that the Bruins played, it was probably that senators game where it was the back half of a back to back in Ottawa. And they still managed to make two pretty impressive comebacks. Um, so, I mean, it, this team at the very least has some resiliency and, um, I mean, it's good to hear that Swayman's kind of targeting coming back soon. Um, skating again. That's cool. I like Practicing that. Full again, I believe, today, as, right? Yeah, full as, practice, full go. It's they got a, in terms of underrated MVPs, it's probably Scott Waugh and the, uh, <laughs> the that whole team because the fact that they've just. Again, it first started with the Martian thing, but now that you've seen other guys, you know, get way beyond what their effective recovery recovery timeline is, and even like I think, especially look at a guy like Martian in terms of all right, if there's ever a guy that you wouldn't want to you know place bets against in terms of how they're going to come back from an injury, it's probably Martian. But still, 34 years old, double hip surgery, good to set you know I think reasonable expectations, and then you know gets a, a three point night in his first game back, and it's whether it's him, Grizzlick, McAvoy. Now Swayman's ahead of schedule, and I think even last week, I want to say uh, Montgomery said that he Swayman was still two and a half weeks away. At this rate, like Fulbert will probably play on Saturday. Like, <laughs> just the way it's going so far. So, yeah, there's like you said, the schedule is going to pick up a little bit over the next couple of weeks. I think in, in terms of intensity too, just as far as who they're playing, I think they've got a, a bit of a gauntlet coming up. Uh, including, I believe, uh, visit. I don't know if it's a visit going which direction, but uh, Bruce Cassidy and the Golden Knights coming up soon, right? I believe so. That'll be an interesting one uh, in terms of storylines and, of course, in, in terms of play because Vegas has been off to a fucking heater as well. Yeah, uh, they're uh, two points behind the Bruins for best yeah. point total in the league. Yeah, uh, it's the only thing that's making the Bruins look somewhat earthly right now. I think so. Um, but obviously getting Swayman back uh, in the front end of that versus in the middle of it, I think would be huge and, and could be the difference for points or not. So um, definitely good to see. And, and like Connor said, whatever's going on in that, in that, uh, the training room back there, I don't know. They got something special going on. It seems to be working. So they were, they were playing, uh, what were they playing the last practice? Oh, in, in the weight room, they were playing. I don't want to miss a thing by Aerosmith. So I don't know if you're watching Armageddon. <laughs> I don't know what was going on, but today was actually the song from the end credits of Uncut Gems. So maybe they're watching, they're just running through the list of, you know, Michael Bay films, A24. Who knows what goes on behind closed doors, but. Yeah, I'm, I'm paying homage right now by having the uh, soundtrack to Home Alone 2 playing in the background. And uh, film. yeah, you know, just in case you overhear that, that's what that is. <laughs> Do you have the usage rights for that? Or... <laughs> I probably it should have mentioned it, actually. To... Um, I, I think first John Bernie, Williams did Bernie that score. So. This. <laughs> when does it uh, enter do... public domain? How long? Uh, like, it's like 70 years. <laughs> yeah, it's a little longer. <laughs> for longer than how long it's been. Uh, do we want to do some listener questions? I know we had quite a few. Yeah, let's but let's first, do that. Drafting... I think, uh... Yeah, very eloquent, Drew. 
Uh, NFL Sundays are getting better, and so are the incredible offers at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. Check this out right now. Everyone can earn up to 100% boosts with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Just go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app, place a same-game parlay, and combine multiple bets like which team will win, player props, and point totals. With payouts bigger than ever, DraftKings Sportsbook is our go-to when it comes to the NFL in a legal state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN and place a $5 pre-game Moneyline bet to get $200 in free bets. If your team wins, only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. That's promo code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Uh, all right, we got some listener questions coming in from. Actually, we can't even call them listener questions. Is one of the people who calls in specified that they don't listen to the podcast, so, <laughs> which is incredible. But uh, fan, not a listener. I guess just yeah, just people who left us questions. <laughs> uh, question statement number one. Hey y'all, it's uh, Ace and Six Hundred Three from Twitter. I followed you guys for a long time, so I figured I'd chime in here. Uh, I was at the Garden. I've actually already been to three games this year, but I was at the Garden for the Vancouver game, and that was some of the loudest I've heard the Garden in a while, especially when A.J. Greer has that big center ice hit. Canucks player Pod Colson takes an exception to the hit, and the mitts were thrown, and Greer just pops him on the button a few times. Throughout the arena, it was just crazy. Everybody was just having a grand old time. And this team's something special this year. So can't wait to keep it going. Can't wait to tune into your next episode. And uh, let's go, Bees. I, that wasn't really a question, but I appreciate the statement. I think it was, a vi- I think it was more of a but vibe check. But the vibes was a vibe check, yeah. yeah. Connor, you've been in the building. What's what's your read been on the vibe chat? I mean, I know from, from Bruins Twitter, there's certainly, at least, again, from the on-ice perspective, been uh, a vibe building over the last couple of weeks that I haven't felt in a while. But what's what's it like inside the Garden? Yeah, no, I mean, it's every game's loud now. I think there's the expectation of just – it's not even like – it feels like very cocky to say, like, it feels like every game they're not out of. But uh, you even said it, Chris, uh, like the one game where it's Ottawa, like they almost came back in that – they're down big, came back and beat Pittsburgh in their own building. Like you just have this level of like confidence almost in terms of just everyone stepping up. And I think that's something that you can kind of reflect from, you know, talking to the players in the room, you know, whether it's, you know, the changing coach, which I think helps, but I don't think it's like the main driver here. I think it's just the fact that you've got everyone playing at a high level. I think what's not lost on a lot of these players is the urgency of this season where we don't know what's going to happen in the coming years with Bergeron and Krejci. And I mean, it's not any, you know, surprise or shocking development, but those guys revere Bergeron and what he means to that room and, you know, how much, um, you know, playing for him, playing for what the stakes are, I think really brings the most out of players. And it's something that I think is very special for not just this team and the sport, but for any, you know, pro team in terms of the amount of buying you have from a collective locker room over just, you know, one player in terms of what, their impact is and how much they want to kind of repay what he's done. Um, it's like a really, really interesting dynamic this year. And you, you add in the fact that everyone's in a good mood because everyone's scoring. I mean, you've got 20 goal scores in 16 games. So it, it'd be one thing if, you know, they were piling on points in a hurry, but it's the usual suspects. It's Pasternak and Marchand and, and Bergeron. The fact that you have, you know, 
almost as we said, every game has like a new guy step up. You have Thomas Noakes that gets the, the empty netter. You have Zaboro scores a goal. You have Felino who's been great out of the gate. Um, like the Lampus. Yeah, yeah, like you have Lindholm who's you know, upped his game by two or three levels. It just uh, across the board, it just feels like it's bad to just sum it up as the vibes are good, but just the way these guys, are, I think, are seeing their results and their hard work pay off on the ice. Um, and for, you know, what the already really strong motivation was going into this year, um, it's it's paid off. And it's one thing where you can preach that in the preseason or talk about it over the summer, but to see those results translate out there, um, you can see the guys are all really buying in. It's it's exciting just to see how much it seems like this team's really gelled already and kind of what they've built, uh, you know, as we're talking middle of November so far. Yeah, there's definitely like a, I don't know how to say like a culture, but it feels like there's a togetherness that you normally start to, you know, look for in the spring that is already, it feels like that cohesiveness is already there. So um, I also do like that, like kind of what you were saying, it seems like there's been somebody else stepping up every night. Uh, I want the the game where Thomas Noshik put in the empty netter goal to be known as the Thomas Noshik game. <laughs> that was his right. game. He got the game puck. Yeah, first round, give him the puck. Yeah, ten I years mean, from now, when we're telling the story of of early November before the cup run, we'll be like, I remember the Thomas Noshik game. He put the team on his back for that one. And that's the thing is, like after that game, you have a, a, a situation where you know another good game from Mulmark. You have other guys get on the the scoreboard. Zaka scores. Clifton scores another goal. Plenty of stuff to draw from that. And what did most of the guys talk about after the game was was Noshik and you know finally get rewarded and talk about what he does, you know, away from the stat sheet and all this stuff. It just feels like the guys are so happy to share in on the fact that everyone's contributing. And it's, again, it's one thing if Nosek had zero goals through January, but was still playing to his strengths and was, you know, grinding along. But when you're able to kind of get rewarded, finally, it just, I think, builds your confidence and gets the whole rest of the, the room excited as well. And so far, it's not like that's been a, a situation where it's the case one every five games or so, every single game. It's just, there's another guy that, is building their games, getting rewarded on the score sheet, and that you know can do wonders for guys over a, a long season. Yeah, uh, I'll bring up the next question in a sec. But on that note, I feel like just one more note on the on the changing lines aspect. It does feel like they're doing it more out of now, like uh, let's see what we got versus in the in the past when they've moved up the perfection line or put it together. It seems like it's always been kind of out of desperation, and you don't get that sense. What line can? Oh, sorry, the erection line, <laughs> trademarks. Uh, but yeah, anyway, it's nice to see it as, uh, hey, let's see what we can you know play with here versus like, oh shit, we really need something to go and having that pressure on it. But uh, anyway, we have an actual question now coming in, uh, not to throw shade, but here we go. Hey guys, long time listener, first time caller, and I've also been on the podcast, uh, Sean here. My question is with... A little bit of a break that the Bruins are on now. I know they have a few days off. There's been some rumors that this is the time that they would make a move if there was one available. I know we talked about in the past, like possibly moving someone like Riley, Craig Smith, um, and recently some rumors involved with trying to get a center like Bo Horvat on the team. I don't know if there's a move to be made, but want to get your guys' thoughts on if there was one. Um, and what, what you guys would like to see. Thanks. All right, pretty straightforward. Are we getting uh, no, wouldn't dealing with Sweeney anytime move. soon here? <laughs> be a good yeah. Time to move I, to another city. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's one thing where it does feel like, especially once Forber comes back, which, again, I still imagine is going to be a few weeks. We'll see what the Bruins medical staff has cooked up in terms of how long it's going to be. But by the time he comes back, there has to be another shoe that drops. Most likely, it looks like Riley's the, the most logical candidate there. I mean, I know he's now playing in Providence, but I think before there was whispers that he did not even like want to play. I have to imagine that his agent's talking some stuff out. I would not be surprised if, again, that will be, a, I think, a win-win for all parties at this point in terms of the Bruins being cap compliant, obviously. But Mike Riley's a guy that even if maybe it just hasn't worked out, this year is still a guy that should be playing in the NHL every single game. Like he's still a guy that should be playing somewhere. He shouldn't be being stuck in the middle of paper transactions or what have you. So there's plenty of teams that could use a guy that can play top four minutes, can add offense. Um, So I think he's probably the most likely the guy that's going to get moved. I would not be surprised if they're in the middle of those discussions right now uh, in terms of getting something done, hopefully not, right before Fulbert, you know, is set to return. I imagine they like to get ahead on that thing as opposed to, you know, having, you know, one thing kind of be sidetracked by the other. Um, so that's one that makes the most sense. Craig Smith's another one where you kind of wonder what exactly is happening there because he just feels like a guy that doesn't have, like, not not a spot, but he's just kind of in this weird kind of no-man's land, right, where I don't think it does him any good to be on, like, a fourth-line role playing eight, nine minutes a night. doesn't really play to his strengths, but um, – so you want to know what kind of happens there. Cause I still think Craig Smith's a guy that can be a very dependable middle six guy, but just hasn't seemed to found his game yet. I don't know if that's a lingering injury or anything like that, but he's a guy that, you know, does have to kind of sort out where he kind of falls in the lineup. Cause otherwise if he's the guy that's cycling in and out of the, the starting lineup and he's making what I think it's 3.1 million. Not great, right? So Riley, I think, makes the most sense, but we'll see kind of what other shoes drop in terms of Smith and maybe where he could be available. But in terms of getting a guy like Horvat or something like that, I don't see this team making a, a major move, especially this season. And that's not to say that, wow, this team's a wagon. They don't need anyone. But I think when you look at just the fact that um, the, this team, one, does not want to, I think, keep on relinquishing first-round picks. And two, I don't know how many more contracts you have to move out to take in a, a big contract to add another impact for it up front. Um, again, walk can change between now and February, but I don't see this team being one that's going to be on the prowl for, you know, who are the guys that are going to be mentioned in February, Horvat, Kane, anyone like that. I don't see them being players for someone like that when you have to move out a whole bunch of money just to take in a player like that. Yeah, I wouldn't expect, like, a big addition until, like, trade deadline, but could totally see the stuff like like Riley or or moving that cap around before then for a pick or something. Cause the, the goal there is to clear some cap space. It's not to really add anybody. If you're going to add something substantial, that's going to cancel out that cap exchange, you know, it's going to break even or whatever. So um, yeah, I mean, I think the Bruins will be a team that tinkers at the trade deadline. It does make some sort of splash though. Um, like if they're trending the way they are now and do have some sort of uh, slowdown, but, you know, still a cup contender, they'll look to add something and try to sneak something in the cap. Who knows with injuries, there could be a long-term one and you have a guy on the IR freeze up some cap, but um, yeah, I don't, I don't think anything big now, maybe another like minor stud Nika trade kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, as far as Horvat specifically, uh, I think he's currently like tied for the league lead in goals. He's shooting like 26% or something outrageous like that. Uh, 
only has four assists. Uh, this is not the time to be going out and paying for a guy at his max price. Um, I mean, his contract right now only five and a half million. So, I mean, if you could get them to eat some money, I guess you could probably work it out. But also, you're talking about giving up picks, probably Lysel as well, um, for a guy who's playing a position that I feel like the Bruins kind of have set right now. Like, unless you're planning on moving Charlie Coyle off to the wing or something, and even the fourth then, you're line asking, paying him five mil. You're, you're asking <laughs> Bo Horvat to play on the third line. Um, I, I mean. My my galaxy brain thing here when when you were talking Connor was uh, I mean if you're really concerned about Craig Smith, um, maybe moving out a guy like DeBrusque when he's kind of at his max value right now, um, and I mean for years Bruins fans have been talking about getting rid of DeBrusque, finding a place for him. And uh, I mean, if you're not going to put him on the top line, um, kind of feels like maybe something can, but that would once again be like a, you know, get that contract off the books kind of thing. Not necessarily a, we, we have a big need somewhere. Let's address it with this. Cause I, once again, I don't think you're going to get much for DeBrusque in terms of, I mean, if you're giving up DeBrusque, what do you want in return? You probably would like a winger. Um so I, it doesn't make much sense from that standpoint either. So, um, and also uh, I really like Pavel Zaka. So if you have a uh, a need at center when maybe there's an injury or something, uh, I liked how he filled in there, um, and uh, I like him for the future as well. Bold. I like him a lot. Uh, yeah, I don't think I have much to add there. Feels like anything, barring you know an injury to a star player or something like that. Knock on wood. Um, any trades, especially anything that happens soon, is probably just gonna be patchwork. Um, because like, like I, I think Connor was kind of alluding to both, but like, if it ain't broke, don't fix it to some extent. But also, a lot more questions coming after this season, and I'm not sure how willing they're gonna be to to lock on to too many other players who aren't already a part of this team for you know several years out uh, before the off season if things are already working right now. So. Um, all right, we can turn it over to a couple of Twitter questions, which I'm pulling up. So let me just smoothly delay here I, for a sec. I got a I got a question for Connor while you're doing that. All right. Um, yes. So I have a question about you know the obvious Norris Trophy favorite so far this season, Connor Clifton. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so now, of course, Connor Clifton not a Norris Trophy uh, favorite, but. You know, compared to last year's under Cassidy, he's carved out sort of a starting role here. He's playing top four pair minutes or top two pair minutes, top four minutes, whatever you want to say. Um, and, and something I've felt before is this whole activate the D strategy has really played well into his his favor. Um, what do you think of Connor Clifton's play this year compared to especially in the past where he was almost that seventh defenseman, maybe that sixth defenseman guy? Yeah, no, he's been impressive. I think he's the guy that, as you said, when you look at everything that Jim Montgomery and even John Gruden have really kind of preached on that defense and activating and being aggressive, you know, making the the right reads, especially. I think that's the one thing where you look at Clifton's game and, you know, how aggressive he is. And most of the time it's, it's fun to watch, right? He's the guy that provides probably the most highlight real plays on the, on the defense, but that can also, as we've seen in years past, blow up if it leads to an odd man rush or he gets walked or something like that. And I think that lack of consistency is what 
had him as a either third pair or seventh D guy in the past. So far, you really haven't seen it as much this year. It's all about, I think, for him just kind of keeping it going. And whether that's just the fact that he's being granted these top four minutes and the confidence that Montgomery has in him, and that's resonating in his game. Um, you know, we'll see how he kind of builds off of it. But as you said right now, he's playing like a, a top four guy uh, in terms of what his role is. Um, and I think it's for him, it's just about making the smart play. And you think of Cliffy Hockey and smart play, and it's more of like read and react and stuff like that. But it's working so far. It's almost like one of those ones you can't even brew up like the the formula as to how it works for him and in his game in terms of how aggressive he is. But he's not a guy that, at least right now, is using that aggressiveness or that ability to activate you know, recklessly, he's not really putting his team out of the play or, or at least he's not doing on most of his shifts. So it's encouraging to see also makes for a tough situation this upcoming year, because he's going to get, wouldn't say paid. He's going to make a lot more than 1 million. Like he's, it's putting gonna, himself in, he's putting himself it's going to be like Carlo Grizzly kind of money. Um, yeah. And that might price him out of the Bruins plans, depending on how much the cap goes up next year. Um, but yeah, between yeah, him and, like, even Zaka and all these other guys, like they beyond obviously pasta is the big one. But when you look at the fact that Bruins have whatever they're going to have to pay pasta, which I uh, you're looking at at least 11, 11 and a half at this point, maybe 11 and a half is the, the starting point. Um, Fun. Along with, yeah. Along with the fact that you've got probably the bonus overages from next year, unless something else happens, um, whether it's, I'm trying to think of how the I need to look at cap friendly. I shouldn't have talked myself into this, but if Bergeron comes back, I think that that bonus overage would still carry over. So um, you still have, you, for as much as people look at the Bruins next year and the fact they have a lot of money coming off the books, you start like, you know, it's almost like you go through like taxes. You start cutting away from some of it in terms of, all right, we got to set up this much for pasta bonus overages. Don't have nearly as much as you would want out of a team that probably next year is going to try to retool on the fly with a lot of free agent pickups to kind of keep this going. So Clifton's would, a guy that definitely is going to be at the forefront of that. I would be interested to see if a guy like Felino re-ups for like a mill or something like that. Cause he does yeah. seem to be kind of working his way into the fabric of this team and the, and the leadership up there, which is cool to see. Plus he's obviously having a much more successful season on the ice. Yeah, that helps. Um, all right, we were talking a little bit about uh, Cliffy Hockey. We got a question from Rob Schlosser. He asks, in the inevitable movie made about the Bee's last dance this year, what actor is playing Connor Clifton? Joe Pesci. <laughs> <laughs> is there, like, one of is there <laughs> Joe Pesci as, like, with, like, the really bad de-aging, like, the Irishman, yeah. or, like, Joe Pesci, like, as is? I think it'd be funny just, like... 90-year-old Joe Pesci. Joe Pesci, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm just trying to think of actors who could play somebody who would, like, take the body on Milan Lucic. Um, hmm. I feel like... You shrink uh, down Keanu Reeves? Like, no. <laughs> oh, man. It'll Zach be Efron, maybe? From, uh, it'll be Boban <laughs> from John Wick. But it's just Connor Clifton is now 7-3. Like, I, I think Zach Efron has the comedic chops... And he's, uh, while he's probably much shorter in real life than Connor Clifton, he's approximately like enough shorter than other short actors who would probably play all the other hockey players. So I feel like for Clifton, it has to be so absurd. It's like either Joe Pesci or someone, as we like, or like Bobby Moynihan from SNL, like have him. (laughs) Bobby, like Eric Andre, like you should have him make no sense. (laughs) 
Clippy would be like it would have to be someone making a quick appearance, a cameo in it. I feel like that's like if you're doing a last dance sort of feature of the Bruins Clifton. Play <laughs> well, it's his last dance too, maybe. We were just talking about that. So hey, yeah, no, don't say that. Okay, first of, of all, in twenty years, seventy five is going up to the rafters. Tickets are a thousand dollars for that. Um, if 75 goes into the rafters, then the Bruins will have no numbers left. <laughs> yeah. It's like the Yankees. Also, no think... Zach Efron because his basketball is Zach Efron's favorite oh, sport. He likes the way they dribble up and down the court. The, the question <laughs> is, though, if they did a movie on that, I think it would have to be is everyone on the team would have an actor playing them, but there has to be one player who plays themselves. Like, like only one, though, like, which would be the one player that is playing themselves in it. I think it has to be Olmark. It has to be just Olmark as himself. I think it's like him or Pasternak were like the two after watching Pasta interview himself. I feel like. Yeah, sorry. I've, really I've seen Pasta in role. too many Dunks commercials. I don't think yeah, he's going to be able to do it. Placement ad. <laughs> it's Strawman. Oh, Strawman just plays real. himself. Be like, hey, guys. <laughs> Sway, maybe. I don't know. Either goalie. I feel like you're getting a good look there. I was I was recently they, they watching. They play each other. Sway I was, I was recently <laughs> watching the movie. Uh, I was recently watching the movie This Is 40, which uh, was critically panned at the time. But if you're old enough to, uh, I don't know, I would say like if you're in your 30s and have children, like you're old enough to enjoy this film. Um, There is a a Philadelphia Flyers uh, cameo, like a bunch of players from the Flyers, including Scott Hartnell are in it. (laughs) It's very weird. (laughs) Does the movie take place in Philly, or is there just a random Flyers cameo? Unclear. They're out at a club, and it was pretty pretty gritty. Uh, or... <laughs> Wyatt Russell also plays a member of the uh, Philadelphia Flyers. It's wild. All right, that's something. Um, I don't think we have too much more in the way of questions. Pat asked what place I am in the fantasy league, which some random dude with the New York Jets obviously responded, join my league and find out. <laughs> and then Pat asked, Cam is in your league too? And he said, no, it was a joke. I got money in a league though, looking for a replacement. <laughs> so <laughs> that's a, uh, if anybody's interested in joining at Mike Illuminated's fantasy league, you can hit him up on Twitter at Mike Illuminated. He appears to be a Mets, Knicks and Jets fan. So, oh, I'm good. Yikes. There you go. Yikes. Um, what a life to live. Yeah. That's... <laughs> Willingly. Like, choosing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. yeah sports, uh, sports teams choose you at birth sometimes. Something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. Anybody got any other questions to fire at Connor? Uh, best Dunkin' Donuts story. In the last, since the last time we, <laughs> in the last thirty minutes, <laughs> it's a lot of pressure because I feel like there's not a lot of good stories. Like there's, it's just it's part of my existence, part of my schedule now. I've I've nothing. It's probably the most exciting that's happened Dunkin' Donuts the last time I was on this podcast. I went and I tried to get pumpkin spice, and they said they were out. Oh, I said, oh, oh shit! And then I said, I'll have the I'll have the uh, toasted white chocolate instead. That's what happened. That's it's not a lot goes on, but you know what? That's what that's what I like about my local. You don't want drama. It's not a lot. Of, it's not a lot of drama. We all know what to expect. The coffee, 
uh, we'll see what happens. 50-50, that's kind of the joy of life. Like, it's kind of a microcosm of how you, the day starts. You never know. Could be could be a fire cup of coffee. Could be could be pretty bootleg. But you know what? It's made with love. It's all on that note. Something like that, yeah. This yeah, podcast made also made with love. Uh, thanks to all of our fans for joining us. Thanks to Connor. We'll obviously have you back on again if you're willing. Hell yeah! <laughs> you just keep saying yes, folks. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's okay. Uh... All right, uh, guy who does nothing on Tuesdays at eight. Hell yeah. <laughs>